This is the Oceans Church Podcast, where we believe in connecting people to Jesus, the one who changes it all. To learn more about Oceans, view upcoming events, or find info about ways to give, please visit oceanschurch.org. Thanks for visiting the podcast. Enjoy today's message. Thank you for making me feel so welcome this morning. The first service, literally one person clapped. I was like, so you guys are my favorite service of the day. So we'll see how the 11 o'clock does. Guys, I love the, the smooth jams. Yeah, you guys sounded amazing. You guys doing well? Anybody fall into a sinkhole on the way to church this morning? Did you see that? A sinkhole opened up in Destin? Like right behind Target over here, apparently? Like, I talk about a bad day when you're like coming home from work, right? And you want to kick the dog and you say, how could this day get any worse? And then you, your car just, the, the whole car was in a sinkhole. It was amazing. It, it was like a, a smart car or something though. So it just looked like a, you know, a, a little mud puddle, you know, but um, that was a bad day. I, I you know, I, I, I empathize with that person. That was, that would be terrible. Um, goodness, I'm glad you're here. We are in the old school Sunday school series. We've been going through Sunday school stories that you may or may not have been raised on. Uh, I was, I was raised on back, like way back in the day where we had felt boards and little cutouts of the uh, Bible characters and you stuck them on the felt board. You, you know that, right? Yeah. Um, we're going to be looking, uh, we've been looking at these Old Testament stories and we've been pulling biblical truths that we can apply to our life and just figured it's a great way of familiarizing ourselves with the word of God. Um, we've been in this series now for about two months, two and a half months. And, um, and so before I get started, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever made a decision that you regretted? a decision that maybe you felt disqualified you from ever being used by God or loved by God or seen by God and maybe you felt like your entire life and entire past was chained to a decision that you made in the past that you deeply regret, whether it's a decision that was known publicly to people or whether it was a decision that you made in private that kind of whispers shame and um, unworthiness or unclean or that you're not worthy of love or belonging. This morning, we're going to be looking at a story of a woman named Rahab. Rahab was in a land called Canaan. She was a Canaanite. And Rahab was a prostitute. She had a sketchy past. But we're about to find out that God used Rahab. And we're going to find out how God transformed her life and brought her from a prostitute to somebody that was mentioned in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. And so you might have your own story. We all have our own stories, right? Decisions that we regret, things that we've done, things that maybe haunt us still. And today, hopefully we can unpack that and maybe you could see yourself in this story of redemption and see the gospel laced throughout this story 
It's an incredible story. So Rahab, her story starts out in Joshua chapter two, the book of Joshua. After the Israelites are freed from 400 years of slavery and bondage from Egypt, they, the exodus, they went into the wilderness for 40 years and God promised the children of Israel a land that was flowing with milk and honey, a land that was really fruitful and bountiful. And, and the Lord told them that it was the land of Canaan, that this was the promised land. And, and so Israel was poised to take the land of Canaan, the promised land that God had told um, would be given to them. And the first city in its sight was a city called Jericho. Maybe you've heard the story of the, the walls of Jericho falling down. You're gonna hear that story later on in the season, uh, in the series rather. But um, the story goes that Joshua sent two spies into Jericho to scout out the land. And they were sent to a woman's house named Rahab. Now, why would God choose a prostitute's house for two Israeli spies to go into? I have no idea. Maybe because, maybe she was used to having all kinds of different men wander in and out of her house. And maybe they thought if they go into Rahab's house, maybe they won't notice that these are actually spies from Israel trying to scout out the land. And so they go in and they go into Rahab's house and the king of Jericho hears that there's spies in the land seeking to find the secrets and the weaknesses of Jericho. And she, they, he finds out that it was Rahab's house. And when Jericho's king heard this, he demanded that Rahab turn over the spies what does she do? She bravely hides these spies in piles of flax on her roof, telling the king's men that they had already fled. The king's men show up to arrest these spies, and she tells them they've already left. They went out the city gates. You can find them that way, and they leave the house. That night, as the two spies were safely hidden on the roof, Rahab made a bold claim and request to these two spies. See, she heard the stories of how God used uh, Israel and how God protected Israel and how God delivered the Israelites out of Pharaoh's uh, bondage. And they, they heard this, she heard the stories of the parting of the Red Sea. She had heard that they had defeated their enemies. And so, Rahab knows that, that, hey, Israel's coming to possess Jericho and there's nothing we can do about it. And so she makes this request. And she says, we know the Lord has given you this land, she said, and Jericho is utterly helpless and hopeless. But here's the thing, Rahab had one hope. She said, the Lord your God is God in heaven above and God on the earth below. She, said, she had this revelation that the, truly the God of Israel was the one true living God and he was all powerful. 
And if he is able to spare me and my family, would you give us the honor of being spared from the destruction that was about to befall Jericho? And so in this moment, she surrendered herself to the mercy of God, to these two spies, and she asked the spies to spare her life, not only her life, but her family's life when Israel attacks Jericho. So we pick it up in Joshua chapter two, verses 12, and it reads like this. This is the communication between Rahab and the spies. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. So her home was built on the city wall here. Verse 16, she said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. Verse 17, now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the streets, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible as for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our heads if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we're doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. I don't know about you, but when I hear a scarlet cord in the window hanging down, it immediately brings me back to the story where the 10 plagues hit Egypt when Moses was telling Pharaoh to let the people go and he resisted time and time again. And so God sent plague after plague after plague after plague until finally the 10th plague was the blood of your firstborn son. And, 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 and the prophet tells all of the Israelites that are in slavery to cover your doors, and, uh, your doors and windows with the blood of the lamb. And when the death angel comes in to Egypt, it will pass over your house. Judgment will pass over your house and you will be spared. And that's really a picture of the gospel, isn't it? 
It's a picture of the grace and the mercy of God that while we were yet sinners, that God died for us and commanded his love towards us. And as much of us as would receive him, he would give us power to become sons and daughters of God. That's the beauty of the gospel, that your past is under the blood of Jesus, that, that though your past was sketchy, though the, the, the sins were big and maybe they were known to everyone and maybe you had a terrible reputation, all of that stuff, when you repent of your sins, goes under the blood of Jesus and God pushes it far from his memory and buries them into the sea of forgetfulness. And that's, that's the hope that you and I have because I believe that each and every one of us have our own junk in the trunk, right? Our own skeletons, our own stories uh, where we're ashamed of that if anybody found out this about me, I wouldn't be welcome. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be worthy of belonging and acceptance. And so as Jericho waited for attack, tensions began to grow worse and worse day after day. The Israelite army marched silently around Jericho's wall and then left. Rahab kept the scarlet cord in her window of her house where on the seventh day the army advanced once more and marched seven times around Jericho's thick walls and suddenly the Israelites let out this tremendous shout and the entire wall surrounding Jericho imploded. Imploded. The shout of the Lord imploded on itself. Every bit of the city, all of its buildings, all of its inhabitants were destroyed except for Rahab and her family. Amen. Joshua 6, verses 22 through 23, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. See, the young spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, and brothers, everyone connected with her. They got the whole family out and gave them a place outside the camp of Israel. You know, the Bible says that there's a lamb for every household, that there is a lamb for, for your household, that there is a sacrifice for your household, that regardless of how bad the situation looks in your family tree, regardless of how lost a loved one is, that there is a sacrifice that Jesus willingly endured for household salvation for your your entire family. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the mercies of God that it was while we were sinners that God commanded his love towards us. It was while we were lost. It was while we were in our brokenness. It was while we were in our deepest sin that God pursued us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life for God did not come into the world to condemn the world but through him the world might be saved for the, the world was condemned already because it chose not to believe on the one and only begotten son John three sixteen through 18 God didn't come to condemn 
He didn't come to condemn us in our sin. He didn't come to condemn us for our past. Didn't come to condemn us like the world condemns us. Like He didn't come to judge us the way that the world came to judge us. Listen, you might wear a scarlet letter in this life because of some of the decisions that you made, but I want to tell you that there is a redeemer that can make all things new and beautiful in his time, that he can redeem your life from destruction. He can give you a new name. He could put a new spirit in your inside of you. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's the beauty of the gospel. Amen. But, but God didn't leave Rahab outside the camp. What we're about to see is, this is crazy. You ready for this? God brought Rahab, the harlot, into the very center of the family tree of Jesus. Oh, man. Apparently, they're letting anybody in the family tree of Jesus now, huh? That's good news for you and I, right? That's good news that, that regardless of our past, regardless how messed up our past is, that God can take us and choose us and, and redeem us and, and, and give us a, a new spirit and a fresh new start, a new beginning. And that God could take our brokenness and repurpose it for his Gloria here on the earth. It says this. This is the genealogy of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. The son of Rahab was Boaz, who God used in the lineage of Jesus. And so... So, so Rahab was saved and brought into Israel, but why would God intentionally call Rahab out in Matthew's lineage of Jesus? There's three things that we can learn from this, this story this morning. The first thing is God saves those with the past, and aren't you thankful for that? No matter the sin, no matter your bad reputation, no matter the scarlet letter, no matter the things done in secret and the things exposed, the blood of Jesus can cleanse and make new and make pure all of your mistakes and bury them in the sea of forgetfulness. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you have to do is call upon the name of Jesus and there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved except through the name of Jesus. And there's coming a time where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's good preaching, Michael. If I can't have a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Methodist cough, <coughs> Baptist nod, anything, right? But Rahab can come across, when you, when you read the scripture, you, she can come across as, as a shrewd businesswoman who chose her profession to make a good living, but, 
Maybe just Mayhab, maybe just maybe Rahab came from a place of deep brokenness, deep childhood trauma. Maybe Rahab showed up in this world the only way that Rahab knew how to show up because she was lost. Maybe just maybe her past was one of pain and one of abuse and left, uh, that, that left her trapped um, by disrespect and shame. Maybe Rahab had been rejected or, or abandoned and made a desperate choice to fill a need that was inside of her, Amen. thinking that maybe just maybe somebody will love me. We don't know her story. And whether it was the decisions that she made by choice and willingly because she wanted to or whether she made those decisions out of a state of brokenness, night after night, choice after desperate choice had become her life. Maybe she never wanted this life. What whispers did Rahab hear from her past? Condemnation, fear, shame, worthlessness, too many mistakes, too much regret, too late to change, too late to rewrite my story. The good news is that no choice we ever make, no scars ever inflicted, no drink ever taken, no words ever flung out of our mouth, no misuse of our body can keep us from the saving grace of Jesus. Our past is never good enough to earn God's salvation nor shocking enough to keep us from it. God saves those with the past. Aren't you thankful that God saved you, that God chose you? Like you know the stuff that you've done. You, let, you know the mistakes that you've made. Aren't you thankful for the grace and the mercy of God that showed up in your life that when your back was against the wall and you didn't know how you were gonna make it another day, you didn't know how you were gonna move on. Maybe you were in a situation or a season where, where it just seemed like all the odds were stacked against you and you called on the name of the Lord and God showed up and showed out in, on your behalf. I'm so thankful that God did that for me. And God's still redeeming. He's still redeeming lives. His blood has never lost his power and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and if you came in here today carrying a scarlet letter and you came in here today carrying shame and, and feeling unworthiness and feeling unclean and you put on a facade like everything is happy and, and everything is good, but deep inside of your heart you feel broken and you feel like you, you, you can't be fixed. There's no way that God can choose you. There was no way that God can use you. I got good news for you today that God redeems those with the past. God chooses those with the past. God saves those with the past. The second thing that we can see is God uses those with the past. Aren't you thankful for that? God uses those with the past. All through scripture, God uses broken, dysfunctional, jacked up people to accomplish his will and purposes on the earth. I'm one of them. <laughs> like you look at scripture, you see David, like who was known as a friend of God, like a worshiper of God, he fell into adultery and then he had the, the husband of the wife that he fell into adultery with, Bathsheba, um, be sent on the front line to be murdered. Okay, God used David. God used Moses after Moses murdered a man. 
Uh, God, God used Jacob, a deceiver. Like all through scripture, we see people that God chooses that you would never think that God would choose. But I want to say this. God didn't come for the perfect. God didn't come for the healthy. God came for the broken and the hurting. And that's what the, the church should be. It should be a hospital. It shouldn't be a place of condemning people's sin or shame and bringing more shame. Our job as a church is to break shame off of people. To, to prophesy and speak the life and the heart of the father over his sons and daughters. That as many of us as received him, he gave us power to become sons and daughters of God. And that is who we are, sons and daughters of God. God uses those with the past. Let Rahab's story this morning convince you that God uses people with the past. All through scripture, again, God uses broken, dysfunctional people to accomplish his will here on the earth. As a matter of fact, he only uses broken, dysfunctional people. Because all of us are broken and dysfunctional. Yep, you are. You are. God used Rahab, Rahab mightily despite her past in the first battle to conquer the promised land. God used Rahab to not only save the spies but save her family. But God had even more for Rahab than that. God used Rahab to shape the character, the faith, and the godliness of a son named Boaz. From a prostitute to a godly mother. And that son Boaz would eventually rescue a young Moabite widow named Ruth. And this is where we get the book of Ruth. I wonder what whispers might be keeping you from letting God use you mightily. I wonder what decisions from your past might be holding you captive. What lies you're believing about yourself. Because I guarantee if you open up the word of God, you'll find something radically different said over you than what, what you're hearing in your ears and you're hearing from the world and you're hearing from the enemy. God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the hands of a God that loves you and sees you and knows you and you're the apple of his eye. You're, you're the very crowning jewel of his creation. You are his muse, his poetry, his song throughout the earth. You, you, are, you, are, you were created. Every cell and every fiber of your being was created with divine perfection to refract the glory of God back to himself. That is who you are. You're not a sum of your mistakes. You're not a sum of your past, your failures, your shame, your brokenness. You're worthy of love and belonging and you're chosen by God. You're chosen by God. God chose you. God chose you. It's redeemed your life from destruction. The third thing, this is the final thing. God redefines those with the past. Redefines those with the past. All things 
work together for the good. For those that love God and are called according to his purposes, it doesn't mean that all things that you went through or are currently going through are good. It just means that God can take your broken situation and turn it around and use it for your good and his glory. That God takes the brokenness of our life and he repurposes it to create a beautiful mosaic, a priceless work of art. You know, when you're standing so close to it, all you see is things that once had amazing intrinsic value shattered and broken. And you might see your life as shattered and broken and your dreams shattered and broken and your reputation shattered and broken, but God is repurposing that brokenness to create a beautiful mosaic for people to gaze upon and see the beauty of what God's done in your life. It's your testimony. It's your story. You have a story that needs to be told. You have a testimony that needs to be told. Somebody is bound by uh, an, an addiction that, you, that God delivered you from and they need to hear your testimony yeah. of how God pulled you out of the gutter and brought you into a palace. Yeah, so, you know, some of you, uh, some of you, God rescued from a promiscuous life and, and you have a friend right now that is, is just seeking love in, in all the wrong places and, and, and because they don't feel loved, they don't feel worthy of love and they're trying to fill that void, that God-sized void in their life by more men or more women. I wanna say this, that you're a child of God and God chose you and God redeemed your life from destruction and God wants to use your story of, of how you became a child of God and you you found a sense of belonging in the community of faith and you found a sense of belonging in, in the house of God and in the family of Christ and that, that other people in your sphere of influence could then be brought in to the mercy of God. God redefines those with the past. When, when reading uh, the scriptures, um, the scripture mentions Rahab. Uh, she, she's almost always called Rahab the harlot except in Matthew's genealogy, Matthew calls her Rahab, mother of Boaz. God redefined Rahab from a fallen woman to a chosen woman, from a mess to a mother, from a prostitute to a progenerator of the Messiah. God redefines you and me as well. And if your shame is, has been speaking to you and shouting at you, this is what the word of God says about your shame. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Romans chapter eight, verse one. Well, you say, well, you don't know what sin I've committed in my life. This is what 1 John 1, 19 has to say about your sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. Well, what about my addictions? What about the chains and the bondages in my life? This is what the word of God says about you. John 8, 34 through 36. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What about my self-loathing and my self-hatred and my self-contempt? This is what the word of God says over you this morning. First John 3 verses 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we shall be called children of God. 
Well, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. Do you, do you have one in there about feeling disqualified? Oh, I do. I got one. Colossians 1.12, you feel disqualified? This is what the word of God says. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand this morning. God chose you. God chose you. God God chose you. The, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Regardless of your past, regardless of how far you've gone, listen, you can never outrun the love of God. You can never outrun the forgiveness of God. You can never outrun the mercy of God. God will pursue you. He's been pursuing you and he will continue to pursue you until you close your eyes on this earth and open them before him. But there is a judgment coming. There is a judgment day coming that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. Romans 3.23, for all is sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. Romans 10, 9 through 10, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and with the heart man believes unto righteousness. It's by grace, it's by grace that we've been saved, every single one of us. That's including me. That's including you. You could be a child of God. God can redefine your story. God can take your brokenness and make all things new and beautiful. No matter how dark, no matter how broken, your story is the key to somebody's freedom. It's, it's got to be shared. Your story has to be shared. I, I pray that you find courage this week to share your story with someone, how God chose you, how God saved you, how God is now using you, how God's redefined your past with a purpose. You know, Rahab's name and Jesus's family tree shines the hope that we have in the gospel of Christ. God saves those with the past. God uses those with the past. And God redefines those with the past. Would you stand up this morning? You might be here this morning and again, you may have walked in carrying shame. Maybe it's something that nobody knows about. Maybe it's a secret that has been haunting you and haunting you and haunting you. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and he is just to cleanse us from all sin and unrighteousness. There's no sin that can't be placed under the blood of Jesus that his blood can't conquer and overcome and destroy. That's the mercy of God. This is the beauty of the gospel. While we were sinners, God pursued us. While we were lost, God pursued us. He came to seek and save the lost. It's not a coincidence that you're here today. 
God drew you to this place by his spirit because God loves you and God desires a relationship with you. You might feel like, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. This is what the Lord says over you this morning. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Child, you are mine. God says over you, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. Child, you are mine. You're not a mistake. You're not a sum of your failures. You're not a sum of your sin. You're my child. And I've chosen you. And I want to bring you into relationship with my spirit. That you would know the voice of a a shepherd that is willing to leave the 99 sheep to go after the one that goes astray. To be a shepherd, to be led by a shepherd that leads us into rest for our weary, burned out, aching souls. That we could take a real rest and learn from you for your yoke is easy and your burden is light and you could lay us down beside streams of living water that restores our soul, God. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're so gracious. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you this opportunity right now to know that your name has been recorded in heaven in the Lamb's Book of Life. There is a judgment coming. You will stand before the Lord on that day. And unless you're covered with the blood of Jesus, you will not make it into the kingdom of God. For Jesus says, he who tries to enter the kingdom any other way except through me is a thief and a robber and will not enter the kingdom. There's only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. I'm knocking on the door of your heart. Will you let me in? Will you surrender your life? Will you let me take your brokenness and repurpose it for, for your good and for, for the beauty of, of, of this world uh, to be redeemed by your story? Will you, will you allow me in to take all of your mistakes and bury them and, and give you a new start and a new beginning? If that's you this morning and you want to receive Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, with courage in your heart, unashamed of the sacrifice that Jesus did for you on the cross, if you want to just receive that, just go ahead and slip your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you this morning. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Let's pray this as a church. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Put a new spirit within me. Make me a new creation. Take all my addictions, my bondages, my sin, 
my mistakes, my past. God, I surrender it to you. I give you all of it, all the mess, everything known and everything in secret. I give it to you, Lord. I give you this present moment and I give you my best days, which are yet to come because I'm being led by a good shepherd that loves me and leads me into a place where my soul prospers. Now, Holy Spirit, teach me your ways and lead me to your truth all the days of my life that I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus' name, I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, my life is recorded in heaven today. In Jesus' name, all the angels in heaven rejoice of the decision I just made before this body of believers today. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for the Lord. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. Rick's going to be out there in the foyer. I highly encourage you to sign up for that food packing event. It's one of my favorite things we do as a church. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I promise you, you will have fun. And your, your cup, your spiritual cup will be all filled up because you're spending time packing meals for hungry kids in Haiti and in the Dominican and throughout the Caribbean. I also encourage you to sow financially into, let's close that gap. Let's be a church that like puts our money where our mouth is and funds the, the rest of those meals. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope to see you again next Sunday, 8.30, 9.45, or 11 o'clock. You're an amazing church. God bless. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook or Instagram for updates, service info, and ways to get involved here at Ocean's Church. Be sure to give this episode a rating as it allows us to connect more people to Jesus. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again soon.